We're continuing with um, the fruit of the Spirit. When Pastor Aaron asked me to deliver the message this morning, it was a few months ago, and I had something else all planned, but he said a couple weeks ago that we're sticking with the fruit of the Spirit. And this week, the uh, fruit of the Spirit that we are talking about this morning and is kindness. Kindness. Let me tell you, first of all, though, since about the 1st of March, I've experienced a barrage of setbacks, trials, and tribulations. It seems that it's as though it's been like a continual pattern of issues, problems, situations, as though it was one thing after another. And then came the coronavirus. As many of you know, I am a lawyer, but I'm also a judge. And um, after the coronavirus, my courts shut down, forced to work at home. I was isolated, couldn't go out, couldn't come to church here and worship with you all. All the while, all of these situations and setbacks and problems were still going on, but I was saddled with not only those issues, but also the coronavirus. Many of you might have been feeling the same way. And then, February 23rd of this year, Ahmaud Aubrey, 25 years old, was shot and killed. Not long thereafter, Breonna Taylor, 26, on March 13th, was shot and killed. All the while, I'm dealing with the coronavirus, and I'm dealing with these problems and setbacks, one after another. And I don't mean to to diminish what some of you all have gone through. You all have gone through much worse than me. But it didn't stop there. May 25th, George Floyd was killed. And we watched for eight minutes and 46 seconds the life seep out of his body. Then we witnessed protests, riots, reactions. Everybody seemingly had a reaction. You couldn't turn on the TV without somebody, even sports figures that you had never heard before, reacting. And then the looting. That's not it, though. That's not the end of it. Unbelievably, on June 12th, Rayshard Brooks, another black gentleman, was killed. Now, I know all of these deaths were different circumstances and different situations, but nonetheless, in in, in the span of three or four months, All of this occurred in the midst of the coronavirus. And you know what happened? I became angry. I'm not sure why, but I just became angry. I became disillusioned. 
And ultimately, I became sad. I witnessed on TV all of the tribalism, all of the divisiveness, the lack of civility by some on TV. Many people had immediate visceral reactions and opinions based partly on emotions. And I know, too, my emotions were raw. My good buddy Chuck Simmons is here, and he asked me, in the midst of all of this stuff going on, he asked me to speak to his Sunday school class. And it's a good thing that I didn't have to immediately or or within a couple days speak to his Sunday school class, because had I done it a couple days after he asked me, all of these emotions, I wouldn't have had a response to his Sunday school class. I would have had emotions, just raw emotions spilling out. I became overwhelmed by all of the rhetoric and the pontification by the media and politicians. Finally, my anger turned into aspirations. I was just tired and did not want to hear anything else, any more about it. But finally, finally, through all the noise, through all the opinions, through all of the political pundits screaming at me about their opinions, about what was going on. I began to hear a voice through sermons by Pastor Aaron and other ministers. I began to hear a voice through prayer. I began to hear a voice by reading God's Word. And that voice initially whispered to me to check your heart. Check your heart. Ultimately, it said, it is your heart. And even up until this week, y'all, I'm telling you the truth, I was bordering on depression because of all of this stuff. But all the while, I kept hearing, kept hearing the, the voice to check your heart. I, it was so bad that this Monday... This past Monday, I called Pastor Aaron and said, you know, Pastor Aaron, I mean, I, I sent him a uh, text. He was vacationing, and I said, Pastor Aaron, I don't know what's going on, but I don't think I can deliver the message Sunday. I, I, I just feel like I am just worn out. I'm tired. I can't do it. And he said, don't make any rash decisions. Just pray about it. Think about it. And let me know tomorrow. He said, everything will be okay. Everything will be fine if you don't get up there Sunday. I called my brother. He's a pastor. And, I, and I, I told him how I was feeling, what I was experiencing, that all of the, the weight of everything had just come down on me, and I was just empty. I even called my dear friend Chuck Simmons, and we had a conversation, and he calmed me down in a sense that he told me not to make any rash decisions, but just to pray on it. And he prayed with me. And after, and even my dear wife, I, I was sitting at home working, and I called her into the office at home, and we talked, and we prayed. And through all of that, I was led to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And it reads, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness 
these 40 years. And he did it to humble you, to test you, in order that you might know, listen to this, that you might know what is in your heart and whether or not you would keep his commands. And you know, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. Mainly they were in there because of their disbelief and their doubt and their disobedience. I suspect that many of us are wandering in the wilderness even today. It's clear to me that many of our politicians, many of our so-called leaders are wandering in the wilderness because of their reactions. Not their responses, but because of their reactions. And you know, God, even in their disobedience, even in their doubt, God never left the Israelites. He provided water from a rock. He provided manna from heaven. He even, the, the word even says that their shoes never wore out throughout that 40 years, throughout all of that doubt and disobedience. God was still there with them because of his love and his kindness. He never gave up on them. And let me tell you, I've been blessed in my life. I had great, loving parents. I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood. I had everything I needed. Not everything I wanted, but everything I needed, I had. I had an opportunity to go to college. I graduated law school. I've had good jobs, nice cars, nice homes. I've lived a comfortable life. But comfortability, comfortability, that state of being comfort, comfortable, you know what it promotes? It promotes complacency. Being comfortable promotes pride and self-interest. Being comfortable promotes self-will and apathy. I wonder, are many of you, have many of you been comfortable? And without even knowing it, in your heart, there's a sense of self-pride, there's a sense of self-will, that there's a sense of, it's all about me. My heart has been tainted by self-interest. My heart has been tainted by pride. My heart has been tainted about, it's all about me attitude. Being a lawyer and being a judge, my heart has been tainted by, I'm always right and the other side is always wrong. I've heard people talk about how bad Democrats are, how bad Republicans are. Well, what about us? What about our heart? What is the condition of our heart? Everybody else is wrong. Inside, I tell you, my heart has been a mess for so long. We walk around thinking that somehow we're better than, than somebody else because of our skin color. That we don't want to associate with other people because of our skin color. 
You know, I've been the problem, not the solution. Pride, pride is sin that exalts self. And without even knowing it, it was a subtle, a subtle occurrence, a subtle happening. And through these trials and tribulations, God stopped me. He arrested me and said, check your heart. I know this message is supposed to be on kindness, one of the fruit of the Spirit. But Jesus told the Pharisees when they asked him, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus responded by saying, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he said, and the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I submit to you that if your heart is not right, if you don't love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul, it is impossible to love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, we love ourselves. That's clear, and that's obvious. But do we love our neighbor? If you don't, then check your heart. God, in his deep love for me, has endured my walk through the wilderness. He has been patient with me. You know, I should have checked my heart a long time ago. But I didn't want to because I didn't want to change. I liked where I was. I was comfortable, like many of you. I liked how I was living. But God orchestrated and allowed the recent trials, you know what, to humble me, to test me, to reveal what I already knew was in my heart. But I wasn't willing to do anything about it. I've learned that it is better to suffer excruciating pain than to let the sin remain in your heart. And if you don't believe that, it's because you don't abhor sin the way God abhors sin. Check your heart this morning. What about this country? This country needs to check its heart. This state needs to check its heart. Our city needs to check its heart. This church needs to check its heart. What about our homes? Check your heart. And right now, I see a lot of change going on. But I wonder if this change is just an external change. That deep down inside, I see a lot of people doing a lot of things. We're making all of these changes, taking Aunt Jemima off the pancake box and all of this stuff. That's external stuff. But I wonder if your heart, what about your heart? Is your heart really changed? Joel said in chapter 2 that even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning, 
And here's the important thing. He said, rend your hearts. Rend your hearts, meaning to tear your hearts and not your garments. You know, back in those days, they were easy. They were quick about tearing their garments, doing something external to show their suffering and their mourning. But Job said God wants more than just the external. He wants you to rend your heart, to open up your heart, and let's see what's inside of your heart. How can we love Jesus and yet say we hate our brothers? I'm reminded of what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is a mess. You appear righteous, but you're full of hypocrisy. Check your heart this morning. Talk about kindness. Talking about being kind to each other. Check your heart. Why did it take these deaths? Why did it take the racial divisiveness for us to come to the realization that something is wrong in this country? It's because we have not checked our hearts. Kindness. Kindness. Kindness is a state of being. Kindness is not an emotion. I see a lot of people today reacting out of emotion. But you know what? Emotions change. We are one day all gung-ho and all fired up about kindness. I've seen it happen before. You have too. After 9-11, there was this kumbaya attitude. Everybody was together. But six months later, we were fighting again like cats and dogs. I turn on the TV and I see politicians fighting over everything. I can't believe politicians even fighting about wearing a mask. Check your heart. We got serious problems in this country. And we're sitting up here fighting about, fussing about whether or not to wear a mask. Check your heart, America. Kindness includes attributes of loving affection, sympathy. Kindness is friendliness. Kindness is patience. Kindness is pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. Kindness should, be, should not be just for a season. For a Christian, kindness should be everyday experiences. Kindness for a Christian should be a state of, of living, a way of life. The Bible says that care, kindness is a characteristic of true love. On the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who appear in heart, for they will see God. Paul got to the heart of kindness when he said, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. We have a lot of reason to be kindness right now. I remember last Sunday when Pastor Eric was preaching on forbearance. He said, think of all the sins that you've committed over your lifetime. Yet God has been passionate and patient with you. He sent his son to die upon a cross that you might have everlasting life. Boy, why shouldn't we be kind when God has been kind to us? 
It's because we have not always checked our hearts. Paul continued to follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The lost people should, be kept, should, be, should possess kindness and should never refuse to dispense it. In Titus it says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Oh, but when the kindness of God and his love and our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You know, the world is not going to see the Lord Jesus and his kindness until he sees it in us. If we want kindness, we need to get it. On our worst day, because of what Jesus has done, of, done for us, we should be kind to the others that we encounter on our worst day. When someone cracks a racially insensitive joke, we should reject it. I'm not saying you need to respond, but in your heart, you should reject that racially insensitive joke because it still goes on today because people have not checked their hearts. And especially being a lawyer and being a judge, I see it all the time. People are fussing and fighting and screaming at each other. But as a child of God, I should exhibit kindness. There are so many opportunities for us to show kindness. You know what you can do? You can send somebody a card. Send someone an email. Stop by somebody's house. When you think you're too busy to talk to somebody, stop and make time for that person. Because you know, just stopping in your busy life, just stopping to make time for somebody in need could change the whole course of that person's life. Just a smile during the day at somebody can make a whole difference in their day and ultimately maybe in their lives. We could if we would. Some of us say we don't have time, but we could if we, if we took time to hand out Bible tracts, to work in the community, to show kindness to those that are less fortunate than us. Men had never even thought about showing any kindness, never thought about showing out or reaching out to someone else until all of these things occurred. But Paul said in Galatians that let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity let us do good and show kindness, not to some people, but to all people. And you know, one thing about this church, the reason that I'm a member of this church, often 
My, I'm just going to be honest with you. Oftentimes, my African-American friends have asked me, what are you doing in that church? You, as an African-American, a lawyer and a judge, you could be very influential in another church, in an African-American church. But I, say, but I tell them, you know what? When I walked in here, from the moment I walked in here, I heard Jesus preach. And not only that, from the moment I walked in here, I experienced love. And I experienced kindness from my church. And that's why I love you all today. But you know what? I submit to you that it's probably pretty easy to love me because in many respects, I'm, 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 I'm just like you all. But what about those people, those people of, of a different color that are in the communities, that are in, 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 in ghettos and are less fortunate? What are, what are we doing to show kindness to them? What are we doing to show that God has been so good to us that we're willing to express and be intentional about showing and expressing kindness? Although this might sound like a pessimistic message, but it really is not. Because of God's kindness, because of God's love and his mercy and his grace, I now, even though I felt almost depressed a couple weeks ago, I now have hope. And I've been asking God all week to change my mind, change my heart. Make it, make it easier for me to express kindness, not, not, not make it be something that has to be forced by an occurrence in my life, but that every morning when I walk up, when I wake up, I wake up with my, with my mind of expressing kindness, telling my wife when I wake up that I love her, telling my grandchildren and my daughters that I love them when I go to school, I mean, when I go to work, telling people that, how are you? I love you. Last thing before I go. Last month at uh, our deacons meeting, Tim Sauls told all the deacons, he said, I've been a coach, I think he said about 30 years. I think that's right. And he said, you know, I would get up in front of my team and I would always give them a pep talk, get them all fired up and ready to play the game. And he said, I always thought that pep talk was so important that they heard me and that they were listening and that, that after my speech, they were ready to go, ready to take on the opponent. But being a former football player myself, I know that that speech, that, that pep talk only lasts for about a minute until you get hit in the mouth. And then everything the coach said, you forget about. But you know what stays with you? It's that day in and day out of doing the same thing over and over, practicing the plays. Because I can remember a lot of times my, my, my enthusiasm for, for the coach's speech would be gone. But I would remember to shift this way and to shift that way to how to read the defense and how to hit the proper hole. You know why? Because we had practiced it day after day after day. And it was no longer emotion. It was a response. A response to adversity. A response to a tough situation. Many of you won't remember this sermon in a month or so, but I'm praying, I'm asking you to every day, read God's word. Every day, get on your knees and pray. 
hopefully there'll be a change in our hearts. And it'll be easier for us to express love, joy, and kindness. The only evidence the the unsaved world has to know that we believe in God is how we live our daily lives. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning, dear Heavenly Father, for arresting our attention just for a few minutes. To have us look at our hearts. To determine whether there needs to be a change of heart. Where we are not so concerned about the externals, but we are concerned about the internal and the condition of our heart. Dear God, I thank you for all of the blessings that you've bestowed upon me. Just as in James, dear Lord, I thank you for my trials and my tribulations because it gave me an opportunity to examine my heart. And I pray all of this in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Edwards Road Baptist Church. We hope you are meaningfully involved in a local church, but if you aren't, we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings as we worship God and hear from His Word together. You can find more information about our church by visiting our website at edwardsroad.org.